Movie Hour, episode 127, March 31st, 2011. Spoiler alert, the following hour programming may contain both movie plots and swearing. Hello all, welcome once again to the Nicolas Cage Co-Fueled Rage Movie Hour. I am Greg Maloney, and I'll be playing host this evening along with my brother James and our friend Jeff. Gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Hello, kids. Ladies. Gentlemen. Is that your, that's Sunday, your Nick, Sunday, Sunday. Is that your Nick Cage impression? Uh, yeah, that's my Nick Cage Co-Fueled Rage impression. There was, um, uh, there's an, a website I love called fark.com i'm sure everyone's been there it's it's fantastic there was a link to memorable memorable movie characters and it was a complete fail it was i think it was sub, top 75 or something on cracked.com or some shit but there were multiple votes for nick is nick cage's role in uh raising arizona just the snapshot of him against the wall i'm like wow a lot of people love nick cage in that movie holy shit he's great in raising arizona <laughs> and that was the last time he was great yeah great in adaptation yeah, see Jeff will Jeff will twice. We're back to this. We're back to this debate again, folks. <laughs> I will I will defend adaptation till my dying day, or until something happens to make me realize that I am actually wrong. <laughs> Arguments. Yeah, it's been um it's been a fun week per usual. Uh, the NCAA tournament moves on without anybody I really care about. I don't know if you guys care about any of those people. It's not very not very fun anymore, other than Butler doing cool stuff and ETU, but. I guess we'll we'll see what happens there, and I don't know what happens with uh, Jim. Do you want to cue us up on uh, what the women's brackets looking like right now? Um, got, you got that. <laughs> <laughs> there are some layups and some missed three pointers, and I don't know how far there. Uh, no problem, no problem at all. <laughs> I understand. It's uh, it is our chance to revisit the the sci-fi movie bracket, which. I had listened to the previous episodes. I'm not sure, and I still don't remember if we mentioned, but KPW was the one that pointed us toward uh, toward the bracket to begin with, and it's been pretty interesting. There's been some developments. They're they're on the last eight teams, at least. Actually, they're on the last four now, right? They're on the final four. They voted final four yesterday. No more no more elite eight. So that vote's gone. I hope you guys got your chance. They're the last eight teams. Which I, I will go through that, and then I want to talk about some of the matches they they had to go through. We have Serenity, Terminator, Blade Runner, Star Trek 2, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, 2001, Terminator 2, and Star Wars, which we assume is A New Hope, uh, which I still haven't seen any clarification on, but I can only assume. You're the only um, one that needs clarification. Yeah, honestly. Sure. No, not, not at all. Um, yeah, one of the other ones deserved a number one seed. I don't know. That's a good point. So I guess the only the only problem I had with any of these movies getting to this point would probably be Serenity, which is a movie I like, but it beat Back to the Future. Like, is it because it's not in outer space? Is that the only the only oh, thing? Here? Space seems to be a pretty big a pretty big theme in all these movies moving it's on. It's because of internet people. Internet it people is. love that. That yeah, movie. they love Josh Whedon. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, I like Serenity. I'm a Serenity fan, but I don't think it should have beat the last two movies. I thought it should have lost to ET, and I thought it, I thought it should have lost to Back to the Future. I like the movie, but again, I just like the other ones better. Yeah, Joss Whedon's done you know, like Firefly and Serenity. I both love, and I do, and I do love Serenity. But Christ, I Back to the Future, dude. Pete, wake up! Yeah, wake up, back internet! To the God, Michael J. Fox. I don't, I don't know. Whatever. 
But yeah, I'm. I don't know. This this bracket keeps moving on, and uh, it, it is impressive. It really is. But that stuff like that and ter- two Terminators, two Star Wars made it to the last eight. That's I guess that's something to look look toward. But um, yeah, I'm curious what you guys think. Do you guys think uh, what you'd expect has happened, and now we're we're getting to the final four? We're on the Elite Eight right now. I'm sorry, I've been looking for a live link to this, and I, I'm I'm having trouble finding anything about like the 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 empty bracket. Oh, uh, I just linked it for you now. It sh- and <laughs> you had the problem last week too. You have all kinds of problems. Jeff. I'm just an idiot when <laughs> it comes to being smart. Right. Yeah. The links. The links up now. You should. Dread, I see yeah. it now. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, James, what do you think? I, I'm not all that surprised. Um, my biggest issue, not you know, any surprise to you guys, is 2001. I I really still don't know what the big deal is about this movie. I mean, I. I thought it's beautifully shot. I like the soundtrack. The monolith is kind of cool. But the time it gets from there to the end of the movie is just excruciating long and boring to me. And then you get to the end and you can interpret the end like 80,000 different ways, which is fine, whatever. And I just don't understand why everyone's so gung-ho about this movie. And I don't know if any of you can explain this to me, but I mean, I give it props for being like one of the first movies that, you know, to get into this kind of, you know, good production value and that kind of stuff. But as far as the movie itself, I mean, I actually voted for it all this time up to its spot just because the fifth element's garbage. Right. I was going to say, for all I don't know, like out of, out and, of, yeah. and inception is, I mean, it's a good movie, but I don't know. I mean, as far as the implications for sci-fi, I wasn't real strong on it. So I actually voted for it up until, you know, this stage based on its, you know, competition. But Right. It's not going to beat Star Wars. It's going to get yeah. Strikes Back. The point it's is moot. Yeah. It's not going to I mean, I, I, I only bring it up because I was on the site and I was looking at some of the, you know, the fan postings. And I was relatively surprised because usually when you, you know, read the bloggers comments and all that kind of shit it's all just hateful crap but everybody who was supporting 2001 was very like Articulate. trying to make points and trying to debate stuff I'm like wow these guys are actually refreshing change we're you know? very smart they're they're older people you know we're very smart based so, but I mean, why is blade runner still in this why did it beat ghost by the way my new favorite human being mike uh brings up that ghostbusters should have killed blade runner and he is right <laughs> see i disagree Keeping there. Up, I mean, you brought up I the opposite point but yeah. I, I could i mean i can at least explain a little bit to blade runner but i just don't know the 2001 angle and i don't know if you guys do i mean i know greg you've seen it once jeff you like the film right I, yeah, yeah, I like it. I mean, I've only seen it twice. It's not something I'm running out to go see again, but right. I like it. I mean, is the big draw to it just because there's different ways to translate the ending and that kind of stuff? And that's I what think makes any it cool, movie, or... any movie that, in terms of sci-fi, any movie that tries to answer the question of like what being human is and what this next step is, the ending, some people believe, is pretty much... Kubrick saying what's like asking what's the next evolutionary step like when are we going to move on from being human to something else and their and their interaction with the monolith is I mean very focused on that yeah that's symbolic like whatever this step is we don't know what it is this is the monolith we're just going to put it there like he's going to put it there and that's going to represent whatever this step is like we're going to hit it again and what are we going to be you know and there's that's just where shit gets really fucked up toward the end of the movie. People just like the symbolism of it then, I guess? I th- well, like you mentioned before, I think it, the cinematography is fucking brilliant, and the music is good, but 
in terms of it dragging on, are you talking about all the, like the Hal stuff? Like, are you yeah, talking about I mean, Hal? Uh, all of it. I mean, I think there, there is the part that's like seven minutes long, where it's basically just the guy's face and all the colors blasting past it, and I can understand how that would be. Yeah, a toward the end, right? Yeah, but even the Hal part wasn't. I mean, it's. I mean, pretty slow in there too. It's just. That know. just shows you have no patience. <laughs> that could be. That could be. Maybe. I mean, and I know just a, you're just a grumpy, sense. angry old man. And I know it's a low dialogue movies. I mean, but I don't know. I just don't understand why people like it so much. So I was kind of hoping for some kind of epiphany from somebody. But I I, for me, it's I, I agree with Gray. I think, and I agree with you too, Jim. It's the monolith, and it's the soundtrack, and it's the it's it's the uh, that opening scene is just one of my favorite things. I just love that opening scene and the transition to space. Like that that to me is enough to carry me pretty much throughout the movie. And then the mystery of like the monolith and the the idea of it is just is just brilliant. So, um, and some of the shots from space. And uh, yeah, that's so pretty much yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, bringing Hal in is another part of that. Like he's an iconic bad guy for a reason. It's right. something that has 100% logic to it, but it's designed Breaks. by us and makes its own mistakes. And then there are its own its own thing where it decides that humans the problem and human humanity needs to be removed from this equation to make it perfect. And yeah, it's it's mind blowing. Yeah, mind blowing. Scary. Yeah. Why are there two Terminator movies? Yeah, that uh, sort of surprises me. Sort of surprises me. And I, why is one of them not Terminator Three? <laughs> <laughs> I, I like. I sort of looking. I'm looking at what, who they won against. Terminator Two has gone District through. Nine to get in. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. I'm not familiar with the, the movie Sunshine. It's. I thought it was kind of a. I don't want to say horror, but I thought it was supposed to be like a, a more thriller. I guess I'll say horror because I don't know what else to say. But yeah, I thought it was supposed to be a, a darker movie. Okay, so James, you you told me you have the final four in front of you, right? You know what the I final do. four are. So let's quickly go through this. All right. So um, Star Wars versus Terminator yeah. Two. Who do you Jeff think and I. Win? Star Wars. Think should Star win? Wars. Yeah, Star Wars. For both should and will, like you think it will have both. Yep. I'm yeah. In both categories. It, it did win seventy nine to twenty one percent. Yeah. Right. No problem. All right. Uh, Two thousand one versus Empire. Star Wars. Empire. <laughs> Empire takes it. Uh, it does seventy to thirty. All right. Wow. Uh, Serenity versus Terminator, the first one. Term- Ooh, right, hold on. So I'm looking at the numbers here. Serenity won its last bout 57 to 43%. Against yes. Back to the Future. Yeah. Not exactly Galaxy, a lightweight. Galaxy Quest versus Terminator 60 to 40. That makes me think Serenity is going to fucking win. Yeah, I think <laughs> which is, I think which I better points per game is very high. Terminator yeah. should win. Serenity will win. That's. I agree. I agree 100%. Uh, then you are 100% correct. Yeah. What was the what was the percentage? It was sixty-two to thirty-eight. Jesus! Yeah. Come on, internet. Yeah, and that brings us to our last one, which is Blade Runner versus Khan. This is tough. And like I said before, I voted Blade Runner above Ghostbusters just because I, I mean, I love Ghostbusters, but it's a comedy to me. I right. voted, I, I voted it down versus Close Encounters, and I, and I voted it down in this bracket. But what do you guys think? It I'm did on your side. Just, By the way, I'm on your side on the Ghostbusters Blade Runner thing. I am. I yeah. Am. Well. Um, and the losing side sometimes. It's interesting. Blade Runner beat Close Encounters 80 to 20. Yeah. That, upside Star Trek. That surprised the hell out of me. I Rath- think Close Encounters is a heavyweight, but yeah. Rathacon beat Jurassic Park 55 to 45. What's gonna happen? Steven Spielberg just took a beating in the uh, Sweet 16 here. Blade Runner. Blade Runner is gonna do it, dude. Blade Runner. He's, Blade Runner should and will win. Jeffrey. And I'm I'm going by more than 60. Yeah. 
I'm not a real big uh, Trek fan. That's true. Yeah. I I I'm withholding judgment on this one. I feel I feel very similarly about both. I, I was split on this one. Uh, I I thought Star Trek should win. I guess, and I don't know. I voted for Star Trek, but anyway, Blade Runner ended up winning sixty-eight to thirty-two. Jeez, blowout! Yeah, so your final four is Star Wars versus Empire in a what I think should be the championship matchup, and then the other half is Serenity versus Blade Runner. Dude, I can't wait for like Serenity versus Star Wars, and yeah, just vote good. Serenity through. And I who do you think is going to win between Star Wars and Empire? Up. Empire. Oh, I think Empire tough. should win. Why would the sequel beat the first one? Because it's a better. Because movie. it's better. It's better yeah. movie. I mean, I know Star Wars is, you know, pretty groundbreaking stuff, but they improved with Empire in, like, every aspect. I mean, the relationships, the characters, Dialogue. the badassery, I mean, the, the production values. Yeah. The inclusion Hoth. of Boba Fett. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everything about Empire was better, in my opinion. Uh, no Death Star. No Death so Star at all. had that going against it. Yeah. God. But I had the Sarlacc pit. Oh, wait, no, that was the other one. Damn it. <laughs> Did have a Wampa. The problem with Empire is Dagobah, dude. The whole Yoda story gets the whole Yoda training shit. That stuff bogs bogs me down. No Yeah, Empire does start that trend of okay, we only like Han now. Luke is a little anal baby type person, but uh, right, right. So we'll, again, yeah, that did, that didn't start when Luke wanted to go to the Tashi station to pick up some power converters. <laughs> no, no, he redeemed himself and you know blowing up the Death Star and stuff. So, damn it, I think man. Empire was when they really split. Guys, I'm trying to talk here. I'm trying to talk. KB, KBW linked this um, this image for us. We'll make sure to have the updated one again linked on the new episode on this episode when it's up. We'll make sure that we have that up there for anybody who wants to, yeah. to look at. And the championship will be decided by next week. So. So if you want your votes, get them in. Wednesday is the next voting for the, you know, this next round, and then the championship will be. So you think Empire is going to win. You guys think Empire is going to win. And I think, I think Empire should win. I don't know if it will. I, th- I might be exact opposite of that, actually. Um, and then on the other side. Should, you think it will? <laughs> the other side, we have Serenity and Blade Runner. God. Again, Blade Runner should win, but I, I don't know. You never the fan voting of Serenity is out of control. I like the movie, but it is out of control. Dude, if Blade Runner, if fans Blade Runner aren't letting movies. If Blade Runner beat Close Encounters eighty to twenty, like I don't know who the hell's behind this, but there's a big movement there too. Yeah, there is a strong old movie contingent between two thousand one and Blade Runner. Two thousand one's failed. Blade Runner's is still going strong apparently. Yeah, that's that's I like the movie, but not that much. <laughs> Enough of the sci-fi bracket. Enough of the sci-fi bracket. We're gonna move to another a, a discussion that Jeff's gonna love. Uh, director Wes Anderson, everybody's Yay! favorite. Everybody's favorite. Uh, his latest project, Moonrise Kingdom. Moonrise Kingdom has finalized finalized most of the major cast. We are promised to see the likes of Bruce Willis, Bill Murray, Edward Norton, Tilda Swinton, Francis McDormand, and Jason Schwartzman. Jeff, let's get your let's get your temperature first. Is this a uh, this cast shock you in any way? A couple surprises. Bruce Willis is in there. That's that shocked me. Yeah, I'm interested in your guys' take on that. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think that uh, I think that we'll see we'll see some really good twelve monkey style Bruce Willis. In Let's this. hope, really. The, the thing is, yeah, I mean, he's supposed he, to play the sheriff. Like the the story is supposed to be a couple decide to leave town. Like I don't know if it's supposed to be like any lope situation or what, but they leave town together willingly. And everybody else in town thinks they disappeared and got lost or something. So they start setting out like search parties and go into emergency mode. Bruce Willis is supposed to be like the deputy or something in, in charge of the, the rescue. 
And that sounds like a typical Bruce Willis being a dick to me. I don't know. It's a, it's a Wes Anderson movie. I don't know who's going to trump who, Bruce Willis or Wes Anderson. I don't know. I, I think Bruce Willis will kind of be, you know, just kind of reserved. He'll just take it easy. And if he does that, then I think he could be okay in this. But yeah, if not, it could be kind of bad. You know, I don't have a major problem with this at all. I've seen actors kind of come into this into this thing and, and like the Wes Anderson machine. Like, I don't think I really like Adrian Brody, but I thought he was fantastic in uh, the Darjeeling Limited. Um, Gene Hackman was who is normally like a. I don't. I don't really know how I feel about Gene Hackman. I thought he was awesome in Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, same with Ben Stiller. Like, think about Ben Stiller in a typical role, and then think about him in. Royal Tenenbaums. I, I think that I think that this could work out really well for both of them. That's a nice way to put it. Like you got, I I really am not sure where I would land on Willem Dafoe until until Life Aquatic, which was <laughs> that's a, yeah excellent up, point. Yeah, amazing. Um, yeah, it, I guess that makes sense. That makes sense. All kinds of cool people. Um, yeah, Bruce Willis just seems to be uh, the special guy that seems to like he would just be able to ruin it all. I don't know. We'll see how he does. Good. Jeff Goldblum, I get again. With right. Example, fantastic. Uh, example. Yeah. And not toned but, down in that case, ratchet it up. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, Tilda Swinton, which doesn't like, she seems almost as if she belong. Yeah. Like belong <laughs> in one of these movies. So that doesn't scare me at all. And, uh, Edward Norton again, who's known as sort of like a, I don't know, overpowering, wants to control from like final cut privileges kind of thing person will be interesting to see in this as well. I think they mentioned in the article that he's supposed to be like a scout leader that joins the group to help find find the, the couple, which I uh, that, that could be the best role That's, ever. I, you know, I'm thinking uh, I saw a movie that I would not recommend called The Invention of Lying with Ricky Gervais. And the best part, yeah, I think, was talked- with Ed Norton. He played a cop who pulled uh, pulled a guy over for drunk driving and it was pretty funny because I mean he's being honest, like you know I'm 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 underpaid and frankly uh, like I'll take a bribe, but it can't be anything less than fifteen hundred. And it was it was just a very like very bit role, but it was also very funny. <laughs> uh, well, let's let's hope let's hope. It's, it seems like they got a good core. I'm worried about Bruce Willis a little bit, but we'll see how it goes. Wes Anderson movie, it's gonna be awesome. Uh, it'll be cool. Next. Holly Hunter's Highwood Hoopla. Next topic. Last one. Really quick. Darren Aronofsky, director Darren Aronofsky, opposed to the other Aronofskys running around. He is not <laughs> going to be directing the Wolverine sequel, according to him, apparently. That's his plan. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how well uh, your Wolverine origin sequel turns out after uh, your cool-ass director leaves. But I've got a feeling you're going to have a repeat of the piece of shit that was the first one. And uh, it'll still make maybe it's time for Hugh Jackman to step down. I'm just saying, as as the Wolverine, never, not a chance. Jim is sad. You're (laughs) never gonna get a good X Men's movie. I know. It's it's pretty sad. And the sad part, the extra sad part is, I actually don't mind Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. I just the rest of the movies are just so bad. It's so bad. Yeah. And I was hoping Aronofsky would. Lend some darkness and some credibility to the story, but now all hope is lost. Should mention, um, it's supposed to be the movie. The movie is supposed to be set in Japan, and I'm curious if they actually had any plans to be shooting in Japan. I think they were, but I don't know what their plans are now. Uh, Aronofsky was quoted saying, "As I talked more about the film with my collaborators at Fox, it became clear that the production of the Wolverine would keep me out of the country for almost a year." 
I was not comfortable being away from my family for that length of time, blah, 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 blah. Maybe he's scared of uh, radiation. Maybe he's uh, worried about becoming uh, an X-Men himself. Maybe that's possible. What do you think? What do you think? Is that really what happens? Because as I understand it, you just get radiation sickness and, you know, like maybe cancer. Um, I don't know. It's a possibility. We'll see. It didn't happen. That's not how the X-Men happened. So I guess I should say, let's see. Who got, who got, Jim, superhero that got exposed to radiation. Gamma radiation. No. All right. Gamma rays. Of (laughs) course, the gamma ray. The Godzilla. Oh, wait. He's my hero. Oh, when he fought right. Mothra, he was. Okay, that's true. <laughs> Big well, man Japan. We'll, we'll see. I want to mention, <laughs> I have seen more and more about uh, X-Men First Class, and it looks kind of cool. Kind of. Who's we'll directing see. that? Uh, was, Let's get them. It's not, is it Singer? They bring For some reason, Singer? I want to say Singer came back to it. Is it Singer that came back to it? I don't know. Brian Singer? Yeah, quick. Know. Quick. I'm somebody. Somebody. Somebody who can type. Go. All right. All right. All right. We'll get it. I'll see if I can beat him to it. No, it's not. It's Matthew Vaughn. Brian Singer wrote, or at least is cited for the story. Yeah. Maybe he had it from before. Matthew I don't know. Vaughn. We'll see, but... Oh, um, uh, many many time producer. Let's see, uh, Kickass Two, uh, yeah. Kickass yeah. Stardust, and, and Layer Cake is everybody's favorite. Layer Cake. Everybody's favorite. Ooh. Yep. So. Moving off the the Darren Aronofsky stuff, the Hollywood Hunters Hollywood Hoopla, uh, to our movie reviews, James, I I am excited to hear yours. Um, you probably would be. You know, I, I did see My Neighbor Totoro, but since you already reviewed, you watched it, I did. <laughs> but since you already Wasn't reviewed, it fantastic. It, you know, I was really worried after the first fifteen minutes because it I was I don't know I did not like the first 10, 15 minutes of that movie. It had like all the stereotypical Japanese animation stuff, like kids yelling top of their lungs mouth wide open running with arms flailing like just <laughs> it was just you didn't like the soot sprites or whatever they were <laughs> that's when it finally started to like settle down a little bit and get to a normal story but after that uh, it did end up with a lot more heart and the the just the subtle offbeat goofy comedy in it is it's really awesome. good yeah it's <laughs> man jeff you should see this movie it's fantastic <laughs> i laughed out loud at a couple parts just from like, not even words, just the pictures that they portrayed. It was kind of funny. Right, right. But uh, the real movie I'm reviewing is a movie called Eight and a Half, which you may know as the acclaimed 1963 movie by Italian director slash writer Federico Fellini. Um, this movie is an Italian film, as I mentioned, uh, about a acclaimed writer-director who has started production on his newest film, but still doesn't really know what he wants it to be about. Um, the guy's name is Guido. Um <laughs> uh, he spends most of the movie getting hounded by people on the production crew. Okay, what do we have to do next? What are we building? Actors and actresses. Oh, what role am I going to play? And he's got everyone collected, but he's all confused by what he really wants to do with this. And kind of as his little form of escapism, he daydreams a lot. Uh, a lot of times about his past and how he was raised by you know some important women in his life and then other times he's fantasizing about his current relationships and it's always seems to be based around women, whether it's a mother figure or his love interest. Uh, his wife is in town as well as his mistress and just, he dreams about his uh, ideal woman a lot. So there's so much of this that probably maybe a third to a half of the movie is actually like fantasy as opposed to what's really happening in the movie. Mm. Um, the film has some pretty lighthearted moments in it to begin with. So at times it's actually hard to know, okay, what's really happening and which part is this fantasy. And sometimes he'll intermix 
but two, like, okay, this is a real situation, but this is how he's imagining how he's acting, or, you know, in this situation type of thing. And it it kind of makes the movie memorable, but at the same time, it kind of detracted from the movie for me. Um, this movie, from what I understand, is supposed to be his masterpiece, Fellini's masterpiece. Um, not the you know, which he thinks movie. bullshit. Which, I mean. <laughs> Don't fall any punches. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can't see. Well, actually, I did see one of his other movies. I saw La Strada, which it was pretty good. I actually like that movie too. Um, I guess I did like this one a little bit better just because it was a little bit more memorable, cool scenes and dream sequences and stuff like that. But yeah, after taking the ten percent off that I always take for making me read, uh, this movie <laughs> someday just... you're gonna bend on that ten percent. I'm know not. I was be... thinking about increasing it the other day. <laughs> so... I'm just like. I should be staring at people's faces, not at words at the bottom of the screen, guys. Is there is but anyway. Is there a movie what can you, you wanna, imagine like what, so is ninety percent the absolute and I guess like this should be obvious, but ninety percent is the absolute threshold. Like it couldn't get better than ninety percent, no matter how good the movie was. At this point in my experience with yes, I would say yes. Unless it's like a huge action movie and there's hardly any words, then I guess it could be, but in general terms, yeah, I would say ninety percent. Because it's just it's like watching TV and having pop-up ads all over the bottom. It's it's distracting, and I want to be watching facial expressions and interactions of characters. But they got me reading dialogue. Okay, hold on. Sorry. Who are you? Who are you blaming? <laughs> who are you blaming? Like for what? For the subtitles. Like, what do you want them to do? Put them like English, an English cut for every everything. I'm not really blaming anyone. I'm just I'm I must admit I'm a little surprised that it's not a problem for other people. I'm. I'm I mean, it's I just say seems like a distraction. It, it changes the experience. It changes the experience. I'll say that. But I mean, bringing I... up the Miyazaki movies. I mean, you listen to them in English, right? You don't. You've never done the Japanese well, I, version well, with subtitles. I would, I, would, I would mention that the ones that are available on Netflix are usually the English versions. Would you the... choose the English over Japanese, though? That's a great question. That's a great question. I mean, because. I just want to watch what's going on on the screen and not have to worry about reading what's it's going lot, by. It's, it's different animated because it's a little easier to see that it doesn't feel as dubbed as yeah. it does. As, Which is as interesting because it... Fellini, his words don't line up with his the mouth movements. Awesome. And I read I read about it later. It's because he always liked to film and then dub in everything afterwards. Which I thought was really weird. That's what I like to do. Yeah, that's what, yeah. that's what we all like to so, do. So, but uh, yeah, so with that ten percent off, I find the movie just kind of intriguing and not all that great. But going back to the his daydreaming. <laughs> so with the movie, with the movie progress, like the story would go, and you know, for instance, a production assistant comes up to him, starts talking to him, and then it jumps to a daydream. Okay. Would time would time still go on and then you'd jump back to him being out of the daydream? And that's just time... it. Sometimes it wouldn't. Sometimes it would. Okay. That's so you'd just be like, about. okay, here's what I dreamed happened. Now what, here's what happened. That's right. not always the case. Okay. So it was hard to decipher, okay, is he really dreaming this now? Cause right. I don't... And you'd have to wait until the next scene to make your decision. Like, okay, I guess that was. Like the very end of the movie, and I guess it's from 1963, so spoiler I don't have to spoil or anything, anything. <laughs> but he kills himself. Christ! Yeah, <laughs> he, he the the producer pretty much throws down the gauntlet and says, "Okay, we're throwing a press conference, whether you're ready or not. We've got to get something off the ground." And he starts dreaming like the people are dragging him, kicking and screaming, basically. And then some guy slips a gun in his pocket and he goes under the table and offs himself. I'm like, "Okay, that's a weird dream." And it turns out that that's really what happened, and that's just how he was imagining it all going down. I believe. I mean, according to me, I guess. Right. So it was just really weird. It's just like. 
I couldn't make up my mind about scenes so until no, after the fact. There was no obvious, this is a daydream and this isn't? Sometimes it was, and sometimes there wasn't. All right, so that that's what made this. You don't know if he killed himself or not. Well, after that, they do this whole scene where it's like him wrapping up the cast and like, oh, you know, everyone come take a bow and stuff like that, and that's how they left it ending. So I'm assuming he killed himself. Interesting. Yeah, so it's it's very interesting, and you almost get the feeling that, and I don't, I haven't read enough to know, but you almost get the feeling that. Fellini felt this way and made a movie about feeling this way, so it's kind of that's kind of interesting too, I guess. Hmm. But yeah, there's, I mean, the dream sequences in some parts was kind. I mean, it's pretty intriguing, but it's a mess too. So, what's what's interesting, James, is we didn't plan this, but my movie has a lot to do with your movie. Did you oh, know that? I didn't. Did you know that? Did you know that? You know, no. you know that. yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, I went and saw Sucker Punch. We had talked about this before. Um, looked, we had um, immediately labeled it as you know what else was showing what did you choose dream. what did you not choose and you chose sucker punch instead the, the... uh well there's diary of a wimpy kid which ended up beating it opening weekend this last weekend um adjustment bureau which uh dorky dorky uh thing i had talked to my parents about it they saw it so i talked to them about it i didn't end up seeing it um other than that i could have saw hall pass uh, I could have seen Hall Pass and tons of other terrible stuff. At least at my basic uh, MGR theater, it wasn't an art theater or anything. Somebody like that, so. um, told me that Hall Pass was actually as stupid as it looked, so that it was "quote unquote" classic Fairly Brothers. So take that for what it's worth. <laughs> Is this from uh, a good source? Um, you know, source? not somebody I, I I've talked a whole lot about, um, but somebody that did go. He went to Chicago to see a Big Lebowski burlesque show. So that gives wow. him some wow. sort of points. Yeah, right? that puts yeah. it in perspective for us. And I should mention before I jump into Sucker Punch, uh, our friend of ours Rory had told me about how he went and saw The Room at in theater in Minnesota. And I was just jealous, just struck with jealousy. I would love to be at a midnight showing, just surrounded by. He had not seen it yet, so he wasn't even prepared. How could know, you be? But yeah, how could you be? <laughs> God, just throwing a football around would be the that would put a smile on my face for a week. Just so funny. Uh, anyhow, Sucker Punch. I ended up catching it. We had labeled it as the boy teenage just dream. Tons of chicks and skimpy outfits running around with guns and slow motion scenes, whatever. And I had read a couple uh, critiques, reviews on it, and a lot of people didn't like it. So I felt that it was my duty to let you guys know that, okay, I agree with all these other people. It wasn't that good. I was, I'll take back what we said before. I, I wasn't interested. And uh, But I saw it, and it might have been that, that I had low expectations going in because of all these reviews, but I wasn't I wasn't upset with it. It, was, it wasn't bad. And uh, to, to go through the gist of it, um, immediately in the beginning – Almost like uh, The Watchmen, Zack Snyder's The Watchmen. Zack Snyder directed this, and he actually wrote, uh, co-wrote this this ep- this movie. It was called the episode. And you're immediately thrown into a quick storyline. Watchmen goes through the whole like half of the graphic novel in that uh, the whole four minute opening sequence. But this, you're thrown into the life of a girl who we we only learn to know as Baby Doll, and that's sort of the names you get for a lot of the girls in this movie. Um, you immediately you see her mother die and you see her accidentally kill her own sister during the opening credits. That's like in the very first two minutes. And shortly after that, it moves very fast and 
sort of like poorly prepares you for the rest of the movie that seems that seems much slower and much more segmented and it's 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 hard to describe like after her sister's death um the main character baby doll gets admitted into a psychiatric ward and we are then led to believe that she plans an escape uh of the facility through the facility with a uh, few of the other patients we were all the other girls it's a girls only uh ward and this is where i feel that the uh, like the pacing and the story have a huge disconnect it's and this is and this is actually where we get back into jim's movie um you're quickly thrown into a different reality you get to the psychiatric ward every everything seems linear and immediately after the introduction to the psych ward you get thrown into this alternate reality which you're not sure if it's a daydream or something else entirely and we pretty much have had to decide um what's going on and after you get into that reality there's another reality within that one. And I feel like I'm watching Inception for a little while kind of thing. Like, I don't know if I am, you know, on level two, level one or whatever the hell is going on. And, and it's, it's, it work. I'm not saying it doesn't work. It does. It does work and it makes some sense, but it seems like there's large parts of the movie missing. I had read a little bit about how he had to edit out a lot of the parts for the theatrical version. And I'm curious now I'm sort of curious what, was cut out and what will be in the Blu-ray version or whatever it might be later on the director's cut. But, um, it's a very interesting movie. You're left. I, I would be wide open to hearing arguments about, you know, what this movie was about through different people's eyes. But, um, it was pretty interesting. Zack Snyder himself, this is his fifth movie as a director and his first time writing the original story. And I think it shows a little bit because again, it might be the edits, but, there seem to be some holes where there's some quick pacing. You, the main character, Baby Doll, gets admitted, and then she meets this group of people, but she doesn't meet them until they're in this other reality. So it's almost like I go to a psych ward, and there's all these other patients, but I don't meet them. I meet them in my dream world. Maybe, kind of maybe, they sh- maybe they they don't really like actually meet. They just meet in the dream world. This is all a possibility, all a possibility. Maybe you're just not reading deeply enough into the the stupid fucking movie. (laughs) It's possible. Um, Right, and I had read a little bit, uh, a lot of people reference this movie as uh, quite like Heavy Metal, the animated movie, which I have not seen, and I had talked to Jeff and James, they have not seen it either, which is uh, unfortunate, I might have to check it out immediately after this, but um, the reason many people pointed that out is it's a lot like a music video for 50% of the movie almost maybe even more and the music in it's pretty good I like I like it uh, there are a couple parts that it works out very well in the movie but the the edits and remixes themselves I'm a little up in the air about you have covers and remixes of uh, from bands of like the Pixies Queen Bjork um, interesting choices at least interesting source material I guess you would call it but um, the movie I'm having hard times recommending it. It's, I sort of want to see it again just so I can get it all down. But I, I was, I was pleasantly surprised thinking that was going to be terrible. Went in and it wasn't that bad. Um, I'm actually surprised. It's PG 13. I'm surprised they even got away with that rating. It seemed like it would be R just for all the innuendo and stuff going on. That's pretty much uh, in one of the realities. They're they're pretty much instead of a psych ward, it's a giant uh, like burlesque show kind of thing going on. And yeah, that's what I'd be imagining. Right, right. That's That'd what, be my dream world getaway. Well, they worked. Yeah, they worked there. So I, I don't know really, but um, it was, it was interesting. And it's the all the girls in it. 
there's a huge list, which I was talking to Jim before. It seemed like there are a lot of like upcoming talent. Um, the main chick, Emily Browning, uh, is baby doll. And then you've got Abby Cornish, Jenna Malone, Vanessa Hudgens, Jamie Chung, and Carla Gugino. Uh, John Hamm makes a small appearance in it. I should mention the other interesting thing about the music is some of the actresses went through, um, I don't know what you would call it, uh, singing training of some kind. Uh, and Emily Browning is actually featured in some of the tracks and so is Carla Gugino. They had to do their own, uh, their own songs. And so they do musical numbers during this? Yeah, well, that's the thing. They, they're not in the theatrical version, but from what I've read, they've been edited out and will be in the DVD gotcha. and or Blu-ray version. And that's something I'd like to see. And um, you can see Scott Glenn in it quite a bit. He plays uh, sort of the wise man from these other realities. And he shows up. you get a feeling that he shows up later. And it, it's a very interesting movie. It's, it's, I guess the problem I have recommending it is it's one of those where it's like go go for the eye candy and just sit there and turn your brain off but if you go there and you don't you're gonna you're gonna have problems like me i think you'll show up and you'll be like wait a minute this this means something and then you just you get let down in the end and i uh yeah i i'm 50 50 on it i'm sorry i can't throw the recommendation out but i don't want to uh completely uh not condone it either uh but Right, Abby Cornish is Banksy. Just want to say that. Banksy, yeah, that's my guess. You really think so? I saw her tag something on the Kimmel show. It was pretty good. <laughs> right. <laughs> I definitely have a, a few new crushes Thus after Banksy. <laughs> yep, Thus. the only two people I know. <laughs> they must be <laughs> each other. Out of, out of things that are out right now, it wasn't it wasn't a bad. I'm I don't regret throwing five dollars at it. I don't. But Gugino was good. She she plays the I forget who you who's the the madam the one that runs the burlesque is who who's who is that person that runs that that runs like the show, um, but she plays like a, she has a Russian accent in it it's sort of bad but uh, she's all right in it she's nothing crazy, uh, but, and we named a show after her and we named Not a we show you. after still still oh, yeah, has, still has tremendous huge tits in the movie so I guess ah, I knew I did that for some reason right right. Uh, but yeah, uh, if you have $5 and some free time, go check it out. I, I think you'll have similar feelings as I did. Uh, the, the music itself might be worth the, the ticket price, at least along with the imagery. But another one last thing. Sorry, Jesus. I know this is dragging on. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> go ahead. Zack Snyder, this is another stylized slow-mo violence movie. And I'm curious like if it's Zack Snyder... He wrote this, or at least co-wrote it. So, I'm wondering if the roles, like the movies he's picking, is determining his cinematography, or if this is just all he knows. And I'm, I'm curious to see what his next couple of movies are to, to throw that out. Superman's coming out. Superman, up. Man so, of Steel. Yeah, we'll see if he does all that in slow mo, also, and we'll find out soon. But it'd be nice to see him do something different. That's all I wanted to say. All, all I wanted. And uh, right, any any last questions, Jeff? You done? You done? Are we moving on? on? All right. So, and it is your show now. We're going to the Parker Posey play along. I guess before it gets to you, um, the question was last week. It was from James. What is your favorite performance by someone who doesn't usually act? Which is a tough thing to discern uh, to begin with. And we had multiple discussions about it, I think, uh, off, uh, out of the show, outside the show. And what bothers me about the answers, Jim, I don't know if it bothers you so much, but what bothers me about them is they're all better than mine. I, I hate <laughs> well, they have more time to think about them, in fairness to, to us. That's I mean, they'd true. still be That's better, true. but 
Well, to you two, me, I had to. I came up with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar earlier that day. <laughs> That's but, true. Uh, yeah, uh, KPW's Andre the Giant. I was instantly jealous of that one. And then, uh, of course, Cam Neely. I I just have a soft spot for Cam Neely because he's a hockey player. <laughs> And I didn't know he was in multiple Jim Carrey movies. Is it? Yeah, he's Seabass and Dumb and Dumber and Officer Seabass and me, myself, and Irene. Is it a? I forget which. What are the brothers that do the Zucker brothers or something? Who are the ones that no, do? No. Those Fair, Fairly brothers. The Fairly brothers. brothers. Remember, I mentioned them earlier. Right. Yes. And uh, the last one, the, the sort of a last-minute Varus answer was a movie that you had reviewed, the Once movie. Those were the two that had won they the were Oscar, good in that. right, for the yeah. story. Yeah, Erglova, and Glenn Hansard. What they won the Oscar for, do you remember? Uh, song, song, original song. Okay. Yeah. Right. And they, they were good in that, and I did enjoy that movie. Right. And then there was a lot of Oscar, uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger discussion, which is always my favorite. I always love the Arnie discussions. Uh, right, so la- that was last week's question. We're on to the new one. It's Jeff's question. Jeff, it's your floor. Say what you want. All right. Say what you really so want inspired, to say. Um, inspired by the the success um, and the positive reviews from the upcoming Broadway play Spider-Man, um, mm-hmm. I'm wondering what uh, – and I, I know we're not – we don't usually discuss the theater here, but um, what movie you would like to see acted out live in the theater? Yeah. <laughs> uh. Do we do it in the same heart as the Spider-Man one? Just great action scenes that'll never make it that are killing people on the, like, <laughs> for, on for whatever reason you want. For 2001: Space Odyssey. Yeah, like, never mind. No, that's that's for whatever Space reason you Odyssey, want. Go to the. Stage. My answer is going to be Barton Fink, um, because for the most part, wow, it's yeah. like the the sets wouldn't need to be like you don't. There, there's not really like a lot of action or anything. The, the sets don't need to be. Like super um, well put together or anything like that it can be very simple and really focus on the like intense uh, discussions and in- intense uh, feelings and dialogue that goes on in that movie. And uh, yeah, so Barton Fink. And you could you could watch his original play in the right. beginning, and then it would be like a <laughs> that'd be awesome. God, that movie's awesome. I need to watch it again very soon. I need to watch it in general. Shit, man! That what we want to see come to theater? Yeah, this is a tough. I think one. I've seen a play in my life, but I, uh, I'm probably gonna mention something. That yeah, I, I was gonna has. say, don't say <laughs> Romeo and Juliet or anything like that. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what that Will Smith movie was that actually was a play and then translated. I know a lot of movies get six degrees of separation. Probably is that what it was? Yeah, I think so. That was what it was bad. called. He plays a gay guy. Will that, Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. actually it's not that bad. It's, it's one of his first films. Yeah, yeah. and. uh Stocker Channing's in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Anthony Michael Hall. Anthony Michael Hall's in it for five seconds. Man, what do I want to pick for this? I immediately go to musical because, you know, my guilty pleasure and all. Odds are, I think every musical. <laughs> That's what I'm worried about. I'm like, I could say, you know, Mary Poppins. Is that a play? I don't know. Jeez. Um, Jurassic Park. That's <laughs> <laughs> Hey, if they could do Lion King, they can make dinosaurs. Um, man, like I'm Peter Pan's a play for yeah. sure. That's true. Yep. Oh. Well, I'm gonna go with Sound of Music unless anybody can, you know, dispute me, because I have no idea. How is Sound of Music not a play? It's yeah. <laughs> or, I'm sorry, I meant Mary up. Poppins. I meant Mary Poppins. Yeah. I meant Mary Poppins is what I meant to say. Sorry. 
Mary Poppins. But it probably I think is it too. already is. I think it's adapted from the okay. movie, though. I'll try and think of something else then. Mm. But that's what we're doing with this anyway. We're adapting it for the movie. Hmm, something original. Yeah, I'm trying to think of something that would be... What really makes me mad is, I think last year I remember reviewing a movie that I pretty much said Sound of Music was based make on a better play. musical. And I can't remember what that movie was. Hmm. Hmm, 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 hmm. I'm going with... Uh, it's sort of a cop-out answer, but it seems like Wes Anderson's work in general would make good theatrical uh theatrical uh, transitions yeah his production value right alone right exactly the stage um and tenenbaums feels like the right choice out of his out of his uh catalog are you kidding me how can you not go with rushmore there's a play in it. <laughs> it works there's, a, level there's again. a play in tenenbaums two the kid play the kid play and yeah. i've only seen that movie once so i guess it's, it's fantastic it's fantastic you think the plot right, is entertaining yeah. what plot it's just a bunch of animals <laughs> <running around. laughs> <laughs> you think the characters, yeah, characters were well yeah. developed? Yeah. What characters? Just a bunch of kids dressed up in guns. <laughs> yeah, I. That's you make a very good counterpoint, Jim. But I'm sticking with Tenenbaums. Tenenbaums would be a fantastic movie. It wouldn't be that hard to do, and it's in chapters. And yeah, I, I think it would be fantastic. And it would not be. I don't know if the idea was something <laughs> like Spider-Man, where it'd be a crazy production to move toward. Uh, the theater like they're having problems with now, but uh, Tenenbaums would be very easy, and I think it would be really cool. I, and I, that would be a, that'd be a play I'd see. Not that I have any any problem with the theater, I just haven't spent the coin to do it. Oh man, I'm gonna take this extra cop out movie and take the other one. Then I'm taking Rushmore. Holy shit, really? Wow. Yeah, I can't think that of anything. That might be better. the biggest cop out. I, I really. Yeah, it probably is. <laughs> that's, that's okay. But, 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 since, but since I've had the only non-answer also, I don't want to du- duplicate that. So I'll go with the cop-out answer. And I really like the, the Tenem, or not the Tenenbaum, but the, the Wes Anderson point of him having good production value. So I'm sticking with it, I guess, for now, because I can't think of anything better. Yeah. I, I, I like the idea of having a comedy in there, because I, when I go see plays, I like them to be comedy. So. Jeff, on a scale from 1 to 10, what do you, would you give my answer right now? Go. 4. No, I don't know. Seven, eight. It's a Gotta good answer. Me. It's a Gotta good answer. It's a really good answer. So, <laughs> if I would have answered first, what would you would have given me? Seven, <laughs> eight. It's a good answer. <laughs> okay. So the question one last time, Jeff, uh, put up on the boards. What movie would you like to see adapted into a play for your liking? Crawl would be my second answer. By the way, uh, question will also be uh, Facebook find the movie hour page. And yeah, another fantastic movie hour wrapped up, guys. It's been a long week. Let's have a beer. Enjoy ourselves. Thank you again for the tremendous input, and I hope uh, everybody enjoyed it. Yeah, guys. I uh, hope uh, everyone enjoyed. Thanks for stopping by. Drive safely. <laughs> See you later, everyone. The Nicolas Cage Coke-Fueled Rage Movie Hour. See you all soon. Hello all, welcome once again to the Nicholas Rage. Rage. I call that Nicholas Rage. Nicholas Rage. <laughs> you sure you don't want to bring us in with that? Because it's pretty good. Nicholas Rage. 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 <laughs>
Oh my god! Fun, 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 fun. Looking forward to the weekend.